Hello and welcome to the Free Life Community Church Podcast. My name is John DeLille, and I'm the communications guy at Free Life Community Church in Terre Haute, Indiana. Each week, Senior Pastor Dan Willis brings a rich, detailed, and relevant message grounded in Scripture, which is recorded on Sunday mornings and made available for you right here. You can find more messages at freelifecc.com or in the Google Play and iTunes podcast app. Hey, if you've benefited from listening to these messages, we ask that you try to help us out. You can help us out in two different ways. First, you can give us a rating in the app store that you use. Secondly, share this podcast with a family member, a friend, or a colleague. This really does help us to get these messages into the hands of the people who can really benefit from them. All right, without further ado, here's Senior Pastor Dan Willis. So today, we want to talk with you in the possible last message in this series, but possibly not. Either way, this is a good one. Uh, to consider because it's a difficult one. And it is because it's, it, it brings us to a, a place where we don't have understanding, but God wants to give it to us. And so we're going to speak today about life lessons from James when we wander or people that we know wander from the truth. Now let that sink into your, your head for a minute because this is a big deal. Do you think, let me ask you this, do you think that there are Christians in the world today who have wandered from the truth? It's kind of a rhetorical question, isn't it? We know the answer to it. And it's not what we don't know. We do. People have wondered from the truth. And so turn with me in your Bibles to James chapter 5, two verses, 19 and 20. Uh, it, it really doesn't matter what version you have. Uh, I'm going to do it out of the English Standard Version today. Uh, once in a while, I'll go back to that. Uh, it, it's kind of a root thing for me. Um, uh, New American Standard is what most theologians use in the United States, but I went to school for my postdoctoral work in England, and so the English Standard Version is the, uh, the version of choice there, and they always made fun of me as an American. They always made fun of me of using the New American Standard, too. Uh, they accept it, but they made fun of me. So that's okay. Uh, I, made, I made fun of the way they spoke. It was clearly wrong. Uh, and so, right. And uh, anyway... So, nevertheless, James has, uh, and they read nearly identically, and James has a message for us. He says, my brothers, if anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone brings him back. Did you get that? If any one of you, so they have to be a Christian already, don't they? And if they wander from the truth, right here is another proof that you can, yes? Okay, if any one of you wanders from the truth and then someone brings them back. So in other words, if they've fallen away from God, if they've fallen away from the truth and someone brings them back into a relationship with Christ, let him know that whoever brings back that sinner from his wandering will not only save their soul from death, but will cover a multitude of sins. Here it is again. You can wander from the truth, you can be lost again, and you can come back. You heard it here. Not from me, but from James. Yes? That's what it says. To me, one of the most common situations as Christians that we'll face is watching other Christians slip away from what we know the truth to be and from Christian thinking and living. That's one of the most difficult situations we'll be faced with. There's a lot of reasons why. I'm going to get into some of them. For in our present day, compromise is and will continue to be the normal thing to do. We're taught that. Just compromise with each other. Compromise with each other. Yeah, and I get that. But there are certain things we can never compromise, such as our principles. Yeah? You know what else I won't compromise? My freedoms as an American. They want me to, but I will not. And that means I will not compromise on the truth that God has set before me either, even when they tell me I must. Agreed? And the Holy Spirit asks me all the time, would you do it even unto death? I'd like to think so. I'd like to think so. Have you ever asked that question of yourself? Would I be willing to stand? Friends, I have seen this compromise take place. I've seen the degradation of the truth in my own lifetime. I've seen it. I'd have never thought it would happen that fast, but it has. It's happened just that quickly. The Bible says it's going to happen, and it is happening right before my very eyes. Anybody agree with me? 
Now, I know where it comes from. I know who it has happened through. And I know how. You're going to, you know, I thought to myself, should I tell the congregation who started it? Because ultimately, the devil's done it, yes? But I have to tell you, and don't be upset with me, but I know where this movement started. It started with the hippies in the 60s. I, I, you laugh, but it's true. It's absolutely 100% true. This compromise, this, this uh, uh, disgust for authority, it happened then. I watched it. It was, it was part of my generation. I've seen it. Many of them were boomers, yeah? I'm at the tail end of the boomers. I don't, I don't really identify with boomers much because I'm at the tail end of them, but I am a boomer still. I'm born two years into it. So I watched them, and this, this is where it came from, and we've just never gotten away from it. It's been a movement, and that's what's changed everything. It's changed our political uh, arena because, you know, what, one, you know what the parties used to be, they're different now than they used to be. Agreed? They are. They're different. Both of them are. Okay? And so what one used to believe, it no longer does, and the other one has picked up that mantle. It's weird. But it's Okay? Not going to get into the political scene today, but it happened. It's happened culturally. It's happened in your educational system. Anybody agree with me in there? It started on the college campuses, and it is going like wildfire upon them. Yes or no? Am I right, guys? Yeah. Okay? So you can see it. It's happening all over the country. Now, here's the thing. I have a problem. We all have a problem. And the problem is, what are we going to do about it? It goes without saying that we're ha we have to stick to the truth and be counted as righteous by God, yes or no? But what about our brothers and sisters that are in the faith with us? What about them? What happens when they begin to be blinded and start slipping away? Seriously. I mean, it's a question we have to ask. And I know it's a question nobody wants to ask. You know why? Because then we know we're going to get an answer because whenever we ask the question, God answers. And you know what? I have been that person, you've been that person, that we're scared to death of the answer God's going to give because now we're compelled to do something. And we don't want to. It's more comfortable not to, isn't it? It's way more comfortable not to. I mean, we have fellow Christians who are blatantly believing heresy. They are practicing sinful things openly. They are even telling others that this is okay. I'm watching it. I've experienced it. I'm seeing it. And no, friends, I am not a cult leader. I'm going to be labeled that one day. We all will if we stand. Because we'll be less than the majority. Did the Bible tell us that was going to happen? Yes. Yes. <clears throat> These folks we're talking about are fairly prominent in our communities. Did you know that? They're a part of good churches, too. They're popular in certain circles. And they are in authority in Christian organizations. <coughs> Did you hear that? They're prominent in Christian organizations. My question is, when does it cease to be a Christian organization when the prominent in it aren't Christian? Wow. Now, James has taught us that we are to be mature Christians, has he not? As we began many weeks ago. He has also taught us that the highest praise a Christian will ever receive from God. And listen, we ought to perk up here because everybody wants this praise from God. Okay? The highest praise a Christian will receive from God is predicated on how we treat other erring Christians. Did you hear that? That's what James says. This is not my words, my opinion. James says it. Okay, so what does James then say we, get this, must do about it? Because it's not optional. We like everything to be optional. You can opt out of this one. 
Because if you opt out of what God is telling you through James, then you're opting out of Christianity. Hear me now. Did you, did, did you, did you grasp that? If you opt out of what James says you have to do as a Christian, then you're opting out of Christianity, which means you're opting out of salvation. Anybody, anybody want to do that today? Who wants to opt out of salvation? Either you're all in or you're all out. I suspect because you're all still sitting here that you want to be all in. But you know what? Here's, here's, and I didn't expect it to happen today, but someday a preacher is going to say that, and there's going to be people in that congregation walk out. What do you bet? Anybody, anybody want to bet on that? It's happened already. It's happened before. Because people don't want to hear the truth. They refuse it, in fact. And because they won't stand for it, they're going to hit the door. <laughs> Scary but true. So here's the thing. James says we have to do some things. Well, what are they? First, there's some things we have to understand. You see, you, 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 you can't do anything about it until you understand why. And I don't think you do. I don't think most Christians do. Because we weigh the odds of whether we want to get involved in this kind of thing well before we ever even consider why we have to do it. You know what we weigh first? The first thing we're going to look at is what it's going to cost me. Everybody does that because that's the first thing the enemy wants you to weigh because he knows it's likely that if you weigh that first, you will opt out. Because we don't want to be in the minority. We don't want to lose friends. We don't want to be labeled a holy roller or whatever it is they call us. And we certainly don't want to be labeled the ignorant or the unenlightened, which is what they've called us. And that's what we learned last week. How many of you in here want to believe that you're enlightened? Well, enlightenment comes from the Holy Spirit. It doesn't come from the world. But the world's going to tell you enlightenment comes from them. And I got news for you. They're not necessarily Satan worshipers. They are, but they just don't know it. They'll say they're not. Even the church of Satan says they don't worship Satan. How many of you didn't know that? You didn't know that, did you? No, they don't. You know what they worship themselves? They worship themselves. Well, that's the same thing, isn't it? Okay, so we have to grasp that. So we have to know some things. First, what we must know, and then what we must do. Are you ready? Fasten your seatbelts. And I know I tell you that quite a bit. And so Greg actually did it. Okay, so check it out. Here's the million-dollar question, and it begins here. What exactly is the spiritual condition or status of a believer who wanders? Don't tell me you never wondered about that. Don't ask me you didn't question that, because we all have. What exactly is their spiritual status? You know, I was thinking about this. I don't believe in my entire lifetime I've ever heard a pastor talk on this. You know why? Because they're afraid of it. Because we don't know. No one can really know. And so when I felt God prompting me to put this as the number one question or thought on this sermon, I thought, okay, God, but you're going to have to answer because I can't. I can't do it. And God said, well, what have you always done when you can't answer a question? And I said, yeah, I know. I've gone back to the Word. He goes, okay. So, Ann? Have you ever done that, gone to the Word of God and think, but that doesn't seem right? Huh? You see, what is the million-dollar question? Well, what's the spiritual condition? And we know the answer. No one knows except God. But we have indications. Here are some things we do know. First, we know that they're still our brothers and sisters. Yes or no? Of course they are. Verse 19 says that they are. Now, somewhere along their path, uh, they've fallen away from salvation. Again, you're going to hear people say that's not possible, but I'm telling you, James says it is. He's not the only one. The writer of Hebrews says it too, and Jesus said it too, but they don't want to believe that. They'll say well, they were never saved in the first place. Well, then how, what does it mean here that they've fallen away and you brought them back? I mean, what does it mean? Okay, so let's not get into this theological discussion. Our theology is, and we're not the only ones, in fact, most Christians believe that. 
And those that their denominations don't believe it, the Christians in the denomination don't know they don't believe it. That's a fact. Am I right, Jay? 100%. Okay? So here's the deal, okay? First of all, we know along the path somewhere they've lost their salvation. They've fallen away. And none of us knows where the line is, where it happened. None of us knows. God does, though, doesn't he? God knows where they where the last draw and they walked away, yeah? Yeah. God has to know because you and I can't determine. But there are indications to us where we do know. Okay? The Bible is also clear about what to do about a former Christian. Now, I just told you that we don't know where the line is, so we can't positively know that it's happened. Because God doesn't come and say, well, by the way, I want you to know, uh, you know that uh, 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 Chris has fallen away, and so he's unsaved now. That Bernie's fallen away, he's unsaved now. God, he doesn't tell us that. But we have an indication that they have by what they do and say. Agreed? We have an indication. Okay? In fact, Paul is clear that by the fruits and the actions of those who are Christians, we can know when the actions are or are not Christian in origin. Now, herein lies the debate, see? Because society and some Christians will say, well, we think this is what it is. And the Bible says, well, <laughs> but it's this. And so anybody that deviates from that, you tell me. See, it doesn't matter what you feel or think. It matters what the Bible says. And friends, here's the deal. When it gets to the point that it's obvious and we've gone through the process of trying to return these people, you know, uh, go to them first, then, then you, you, know, you, you, you discuss it, and then, then when that doesn't work, you take another with you, yeah, and then that doesn't work, then you take the elders of the church and go together, yeah. And remember, the elders of the church, as we learned, is presbyteros. It's not those who are older, it's those who are deep in the faith, regardless of age, yeah? That's your elders. The people that wouldn't know what it means to be a Christian. When you take those, those three things have happened, you've done that, and the, still the answer is talk to the hand with them, well, now you've got an option, and there's only one. Expel them. Now, how many of you wants to expel somebody from your church? Nobody in here wants to do it, including your pastor. I would. And so should you. Let that sink in for a second. When you've got an individual that's constantly dragging you away, constantly causing problems, constantly part of the problem, not the solution, and you've done the things, and they're not listening, they want to keep spewing their venom or doing their garbage, do you, do you really see the peace of Christ in them? No. Of course not, which is why we have a problem. So what do you have to do? Paul tells us. First Corinthians, what business is it of mine to judge those outside the church? Are you not to judge those inside? God will judge those outside. Expel the wicked person from among you. <laughs> I, he, he didn't say if you feel like it or when it's convenient. Right? Again, God determines when they fall into this lost status, but lost they are. They have to be, or they wouldn't be acting like that. Because the Bible says, if you're, if you're saved, you wouldn't act like that. Yeah? By their fruits, we shall know them. Yes? You see, their beliefs and their actions and teaching of others is going to prove who they belong to. But remember, the Bible says that we have a responsibility to try and restore them. Listen to this, 2 Peter 2.21, 1 John 5.16, and Hebrews 6.4-8. Now, I know it went fast, but they're referenced in your, in your notes, and this is what they say. It would have been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than to have known it and then turned their backs on the sacred command that was passed on to them. Clearly, that's saying that they were, and now they're not. It would been better if they never had it in the first place. Yeah? If you see any brother or sister commit a sin that doesn't lead to death, you should pray and God will give them life. Now, I refer to those things which sin does not lead to death. 
There is a sin that leads to death. I'm not saying you should pray about that. It's impossible for those who have once been enlightened, who have tasted the heavenly gift, who have shared in the Holy Spirit, who have tasted the goodness of the Word of God and the powers of the coming age, and who have fallen away, you heard that, to be brought back to repentance. To their loss, they are crucifying the Son of God all over again and subjecting Him to public disgrace. Land that drinks in the rain, often falling on it, that produces a crop useful for those for whom it is farmed, receives the blessing of God. But land that produces thorns and thistles is worthless and is in danger of being cursed. In the end, it will be burned. Now, this is Hebrews. This is the Word of God. God put it there, didn't He? Okay, so you heard it here. Not, not my opinion, not my own words. So I'm not a cult leader. I didn't make up my own thing as I went along. This is God. Now, if I'm a, a cultist by being in the church of Jesus Christ and believing his word, so be it. Guilty as charged. Anybody? So we don't know where this stops, but here's what we do know. We do know that they wandered from the truth. If they hadn't, they wouldn't be doing this stuff. Yeah? Come on, do you know if a person, I mean, you know when somebody's doing this kind of stuff, you know they're not in the Word of God. Huh? I mean, you, you, can you tell when someone's just filled with the Spirit and they're exuding Christ all the time? That person's praying, they're spending time in the Word, yeah? They may not like everything that's happening. They might not even agree with you, but something in here never changes. But that person is spewing the venom all the time. How much time in the Word of God do you think they're spending? My guess is right here, big fat zero. They want what they want, period. And they're going to do it any way they can get it. You've seen them. And you know what? Sometimes they're among us too. Aren't they? It is what it is, friends. You know who they are. Their face is coming to your picture right now. You know who they are. Well, what do you do? Again, we can tell it's happened by what they do. 1 John 2, 3 to 6. We know that we've come to know him if we keep his commands. Whoever says, I know him, but does not do what he commands is a liar, and the truth is not in that person. But anyone, if anyone obeys his word, love for God is, is truly made complete in them. This is how we know we are in him. Whoever claims to live in him must live as Jesus did. Now, clearly, we can know if a person is a Christian or not by their obedience. Right? You know what a Christian would do and what they wouldn't. Now, are there going to be times where maybe it's kind of, eh, yeah, but by and large, no. You can tell by the depth and the root of the person. Yeah? Come on, guys. It's right there. Now, I, again, know that some Christians believe that you can't lose salvation, and they have many ideas as to how this works. They'll say that somebody who is lost after they seem to be saved was actually never saved in the first place. But clearly, Paul, James, Peter, John... And the writer of Hebrews, which you know who I think that is, say otherwise. Basically, the word wandered couldn't and wouldn't be there if it weren't possible to wander. It wouldn't be there. And they all use it. So I had to think about it for a second. I go, okay, so what exactly does wandered mean then? I mean, we're here today trying to figure out what wandered means because everybody, because I see, I know what you're thinking. I know what you're thinking because this is how we think, because I think this way. When I want to know, when, when, when God's telling me you got to expel this person, you got to, you got to, you got to, you got to go through the process and they don't, then, then you expel them. And I think, okay, so, but only the wandered one, right? Yeah. Well, what's wandering? What constitutes wandering away? Doesn't everybody want to know? This is how we deal with it. Because, oh, phew, maybe they're not wandering. I have to do it. Come on. You'd like to think they really haven't wandered and, and let the Holy Spirit do his thing. Yeah. Friends, you, you, you can't. It's, it's right there. It's obvious to you, and you know it, too. Deep down, you know it, but you still don't want to deal with it because you know the ramifications. Again, what's it going to cost me? Yeah? What's other people going to think? What's this person going to do? Yeah? According to James, these people are in error, either through ignorance or on purpose. See, it's not for you to determine if it's on purpose or in ignorance. That doesn't matter. God determines that. But your determination still stands. They're in error. 
and they could have been led astray. In fact, they likely have been. Remember these verses in Genesis 4, sin is crouching at your door, it desires to have you, but you must rule over it. 1 Peter 5, be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Sometimes you know who it is. Huh? Because it's happened, yeah? Okay? Apparently, these people have succumbed to this sinful desire, and the devil has been able to pull them away from God. Yeah? At least in some manner. So, how have they wondered? What's happened? How do we see it? Well, first of all, doctrinally. You know why? Because what they're doing, what they're saying, doesn't line up with the truth of the Word of God. What they're believing, how they're acting, it, it, it's just not there. Yeah? I, I, I'm thinking of several people right now in my mind that attend one of our two churches on occasion or have. You? People won't want to, but we have to. What they're doing, how they're acting, what they're saying is, is doctrinally outside the Word of God. Isn't it? In 2 Timothy 2, 16-18, Paul says that there are those who have, get this, departed from the truth. Yeah, they have. I know it. I know they have. I know it because of what they're doing. Yeah? How else have they wandered? Not just doctrinally, but in their practice. How they're acting, Okay. It's obvious in the way they think, the way they speak, and the way they act. They're almost venomous. Yeah? Is the name, is the face still there? Galatians 6.1, brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. But get this, but watch yourselves. Why? Or you may also be tempted. I want you to think about that for a minute. We're going to go back to it. You know, I'll say wonder through their ignorance. Friends, when you're not in the Word of God, you are ignorant of the Word of God. Yeah? Come on. This is 100% downtown. Can't. They cannot see the truth even when it's right in front of them. Right? That's ignorance. And God's not going to let that be an excuse. Well, I, I, I didn't know. Well, you should have known because it's right in front of you. Does not Paul say that in Romans chapter 1? People have seen the workings of God and should have known, and they will be without excuse. I paraphrase, but that's what he said. <clears throat> Matthew 15, 14, leave them. They're blind guides. If the blind lead the blind, both are going to fall into the pit. That's Jesus. Did Jesus not just say that? Friends, he did say it. There is such a thing as the blind leading the blind, Yeah. That's where it comes from. Are there blind people who claim to be Christian leading others into blindness into the pit? Yes. Just make sure you're not one of them. You know how else they wondered? Through their own rebellion. Even when they're confronted, they absolutely will not go back to the Word of God and they will not change their ways. Why? Because they want to believe the way they believe. They want to do what they want to do. And their feelings and preferences have overridden the truth and the commands of God in their entirety. How do I know? Hebrews 3.12, see to it, brothers and sisters, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. Now, notice what the writer says. Brothers and sisters, those of you in the faith, see to it that none of you does this. That's willful. Okay? That's willful. That's rebellion. You can't, you can't, people say, well, it's not that simple. <laughs> yes, it is. We make it more complicated than it is. Why do you want to? Because it appeases our self-conscious. And we're all, we're all about that, you know, appeasing our own self-conscious. Yeah? So I began to think about it then, okay. So if, if, if we know what wondering is, we have to know what truth is, and we know we've done it. We have to know what the truth is, don't we? John 17, 17, Jesus said, sanctify them by the truth, for your word is truth. Well, there it is. There's your truth. Do you need anything more, really? I mean, do, I mean have you read the truth and didn't like it and thought, well, there's got to be more to it than that? 
Because we have. People have done it. I've, I've watched Christians do it. They've done it in front of my face. They've done it. I've watched them. I confront them with the truth. Right here it is. And they say it's not that simple. It isn't. It's right there. I've gone to school on it. You haven't, but I have. And I don't, you can't, I, I, I've, I've read it in every version there is. I've read it in the original Greek too. And that's what it says. What are you going to do with that? That's the intent. Are you going to try to tell me it's not? You know what they do? Ah, I, I can't talk to you. I walk away. Darn right you can't. Because you don't want to face God. That's what you're doing. If you won't face God, you certainly won't face me. Yeah? That's, that's, they, and they won't face anybody that speaks the truth. Yeah? They're not going to. Friends, I, I have to believe what I believe because the Word of God says so. It's right there. What's truth? Jesus prayed that the truth would sanctify us. Do you know what that means? This means that the truth is ruling in us after we've gotten saved, after our salvation. That's what it means. Okay? And once saved, we continue to be more like Christ in everything we do, even when it hurts, and it will sometimes. Yeah? It happens all the way from the moment of salvation to the end of life. Doesn't it? Aren't you, aren't you supposed to, aren't you commanded to be more Christ-like all the time? And aren't you continually changing and allowing Him to work in you and becoming more like Him so you look more like Him? Isn't that the process? It starts at salvation and goes to the end of your life. Yes or no? It never ends. Nobody's ever arrived. Yeah? And when we deviate from that plan, from that path, from that model that Jesus gave us, that's when we begin to fall away. Yeah? Well, how does the process work? Well, first of all, we're saved by the truth. God says so. James 1, 18 and 21. He chose to give us birth through the word of truth that we might humbly accept the word planted in you which can save you. Yeah? There it is. Then we have to continue in the faith. 2 John 4 and 9. It has been given me or it has given me great joy to find some of your children walking in the truth, just as the Father commanded us. And anyone who runs ahead and does not continue in the teaching of Christ does not have God. Whoever continues in the teaching has both the Father and the Son. There it is, friends. So if they're not in the Word of God, you tell me. He's basically saying, John is, that... If you're not in the Word, you're automatically falling away. There's no way to stop it. See, we like to think, well, maybe I haven't been in the Word, but I know what the right way is, so I'm staying in it. I, I just haven't been in the Word. No. He's saying if you're not in the Word, you immediately begin to fall away like that. Now, it hasn't transitioned all the way yet, but why would you give it a foothold? Now, here's the question. Who's in the Word? You want to know what wandering is? Don't be in the Word. You're wandering. Notice I'm not telling you, listen to me, listen to me, I got the answers. I'm saying, get in here. There's your answers. Yeah? You know what's going to do? If I start talking heresy, you're going to know it. Because if you're not in the Word and I talk heresy, you won't know it. And if I always challenged you and said, you need to keep me on track too? We all need to be in this together? Yeah? Okay. So what's truth? The Word of God is truth, always has been. So what happens when we wander? You ready for this? Are you ready? You want to write it down? The person who wanders is dead. Not my opinion. The Word of God says so. Does it really, Pastor? Mm -hmm. Hey, I don't... I don't I, I, I don't believe it. I hate it. But that's what he says. Verses 19 20 say so. Look what he said. 
if someone falls away and you bring them back, then they're saved again. But, but if they fall away, they're dead. They're dead in what? They're dead in Christ. Friends, it's happening all right. Now understand he's not talking about being dead physically. And that's a good thing because once they're dead physically, spiritual restoration is not possible. Did you know that? If you die physically and you're outside of Christ, there is no way back. Friends, did you know that? If you die physically and you are outside of Christ, there is no way back ever. Somebody's going to say there is. There are religions that say you can pray for somebody who's in Hades. No, they can't. That's why Jesus was given the keys to heaven and hell. If we could pray him out, what'd he go there for? Huh? If we could do it, what was he there for? You see? And what does it mean then? There's only one way to the Father, and that's through the Son. If we can do it, what's he, what's he for then? Friends, it doesn't work. That theology is garbage. Can't. You die outside of Christ, there is no way to the Father. Ever. But see, we've been conditioned to believe that there's always a way. But it isn't true. Now, I know that there are Christians out there, and I put the Christians in quotes, who absolutely refuse to believe that this is true. They, they refuse to believe that, one, you can lose your salvation, okay? And two, that God would actually allow the type of punishment that hell brings. They just can't believe it. They just, they refuse to believe that God would do it. Well, God isn't doing it. Has He allowed it? Yes. But you chose it. God's not going to tell you what to choose. He hopes you'll choose Him. He gave you every opportunity to choose Him, but some won't, yeah? And some will also walk when they've gotten it, yeah? Yes or no? Okay. They just can't believe that a loving God would do that. They might not even say it, but they'll think it. Trust me, friends, the Bible is clear. There will be judgment. There will be judgment. And most of humankind is going to face it. Hey, I, I, I'm the messenger. I'm just telling you what it says. I know what the Bible says. I know that only a third of creation will accept Christ. That means most of creation will not choose Christ or will fall from Christ. And when they do, they will face judgment. Yes or no? Is there any doubt in your mind? Am I making this up? Does the Bible say it? Yes, it does. That means the majority of humanity that has been created will face judgment. Now, here's a sobering thought. Are you ready? How many millions of babies have been aborted? Listen to me. Listen to me. The millions of babies that were aborted, if I read the scripture right, and I believe I have, they will be in the group of the third that will automatically not face judgment. That means it reduces the people who made a decision. Really? Mm -hmm. What do you do with that? That means that it's not. It's not a good graph. That means that there's going to be an overwhelming majority of people who will choose to deny Christ. Either by ignorance, by willfulness, or any other reason. It doesn't matter what it is. Are you getting this today? You know what else we know? We know that until Jesus raptured the church, everybody's going to die physically whether they're in sin or not. Did you hear me? Some of you are out there thinking, but you, but, you, but you said some people might not die. I said, right. But I want you to understand something. i got to go by the Scripture. I'm going to teach you something today 
that maybe we don't talk about much. I'm guessing my pastors are going to know what I'm talking about. I want you to understand what I'm talking about. Okay? Listen carefully. Hebrews 9.27, just as people are destined to die once. Did you hear that? What does that mean? It means everybody dies, doesn't it? Everybody dies physically, yeah? What about Elijah? I don't know. That's up to God. What about Enoch? I don't know. But I'm pretty sure Elijah's going to die yet. <laughs> Enoch, I don't know. I'm pretty sure Elijah's one of the witnesses. He's going to die, yeah? Come on. Enoch, that's up to God. He's God. <laughs> I imagine he's got a plan for Enoch too, whatever it is. He just has chosen not to share it with us. <laughs> okay, so just as people are destined to die once and after that to face judgment. And then, of course, through the age of the great tribulation and again during the millennial reign, people will continue to die physically. Yes or no? They will. There's also the indication that those who are caught up with Jesus at the rapture will die and be resurrected in an instant. This physical body will die and immediately be transformed into the new one. Yes or no? That's what it means. Our, and here's where everybody, am, am I going to feel it? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't think you're really going to much care. I mean, if you, if you can see Christ and you're, and you're going toward him, whether you come from the grave or you're where they're in the body, and all you can see is Christ, are you going to really care about anything else? I don't think so. Absolutely. But it'll be instantaneous, the Bible says. This one's going to die. That one's going to live. Yeah? The soul, however, will never physically die. Nobody's will. Those who are outside of Christ will have a, a death status. That means separation. But they will live on, too, in torment. You understand that, too, right? Does the Bible not say that? It does say it. Okay? Listen carefully. Matthew 10, 28. Do not be afraid of those who kill the body but can't kill the soul. Remember, uh, be afraid of the one who can destroy both the body and the soul in hell. You hear that? Who's that? Well, it's got to be Satan. That's the only one that can do it. Yeah? Friends, wake up. Yes or no? Who can destroy the soul? Only Satan. Yeah? Okay? So how are they dead then, spiritually? For death is the result of separation. James 2.26, as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without deeds is dead. You see, sin separates the soul from God. Okay? Isaiah 59.1-2, Ezekiel 18.20, surely the arm of the Lord is not too short to save. Praise God for that, yeah? Nor his ear too dull to hear. But your iniquities have separated you from your God. Your sins have hidden his face from you so that he will not hear. The one who sins is the one who will die. The child will not share the guilt of the parent, nor the parent share the guilt of the child. The righteousness of the righteous will be credited to them, and the wickedness of the wicked will be charged against them. There it is. People say, I don't understand. Well, the Bible gives you answers. It's right here. But you've got to be willing to look for them. You know why we don't? We don't want to hear it. We want to make up our own brand of Christianity just like we've always said we do. We want it to be what we want to make it, not what God says it is. You want to know who's really in the cult? Those who are making up their own brand of Christianity, not the ones who are following the Word of God. That's who the cult is. Okay? And no matter what anybody tells you, right there it is. And when it deviates from it, that's a cult. Because that's what it means. Paul says... They have a form of religion, but they will deny its power. Yeah, because it's not Christ-like. It's not godly. How could it be? Okay. So ultimately, what we're talking about here is what the Bible calls the second death. How do I know? Revelation 21.8. But the cowardly, the unbelieving, the vile, the murderers, the sexually immoral, those who practice magic arts, the idolaters and all liars, they will be consigned to the fiery lake of burning sulfur. This is the second death. So everybody's going to have a first death, aren't they? And some are going to get a second death. Yeah? Is, doesn't it say that? Okay. 
Separation from God in eternity is the second death and what many scholars call final death. No one, according to Jesus, will want to see that death. But again, most of humanity will. You sobered yet? Okay, now we get to our second point. And aren't you glad that it's a lot shorter? <laughs> what should real Christians do about the wandering Christian? First of all, are you convinced that people have wandered? Are you convinced you've got to do something about it? Yeah, the question is, what will you do? Now we come to that point, see? Are you ready? What will you do? Well, first of all, here's what we can't do. Are you ready? Here's what you cannot do. You can't gossip about them. Sometimes we still do, though. James 4.11, brothers and sisters, do not slander one another. There he is. Notice he's talking about brothers and sisters. Don't slander one another. Even if they've fallen away, don't slander. Anyone who speaks against a brother or sister judges them or judges them, speaks against the law and judges, and judges it. When you judge the law, you're not keeping it, but you're sitting in judgment on it. Here we go. But you said we should judge. Yep. But understand what he means. Notice that the scripture says we shouldn't be talking about them. We should be trying to restore them. Agreed? Okay. And again, notice it says that we cannot judge them. No, that's up to God. He will determine whether they're a Christian and saved or not. Yes or no? However, do not confuse judging the person with judging the behavior. Okay? Isn't there a difference? Yes, there is. One we must do, the other we cannot do. Agreed? Did he not say, don't judge those outside the church, judge those in it? Because as a Christian, you would know what a Christian ought to be. So judge what they're doing or not doing. That you can and should do. You must do. But judging their status, only God does that. Now, you have an indication, but it's still up to him. Right? You know what else we cannot do? We cannot get this, friends, to have your attention. You cannot ignore the sinfulness. Did you hear that? I want, I want to make sure everybody heard that. You cannot ignore their sinfulness. You want to. Everything in you is telling you to, and the devil wants you to, but you cannot. Because if you do, you've also wandered. what he said didn't he see this hurts we're, we're scared of it we don't like it it's uncomfortable yeah so is Christianity but it saves us you cannot ignore the sin but yet friends this is exactly what most of us do do you believe that do you believe you know what I've done it have you done it if you're, willing, if you're willing to admit it to God, have you done it? Have you ignored sinfulness in other people? Come on. Who's willing to admit that to have? You don't got to put your hand up, but you know, right? Galatians 6, 1 and 2, brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. Now, I told you I was going to come back to this. Here it comes. But watch yourselves, or you may also be tempted. Did you hear that? Carry each other's burdens, and in this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. And this is where it all comes together. You ready for this big, beautiful package that God's going to give you? Okay. So then let's systematically take a look at what we must do. Because this is where the rubber meets the road. This is, this is what we really all want. What, what must I really do? This, see this, this, what does it mean? This, this is, we want to cut to the chase, okay? But you won't cut to the chase and do it right if you don't understand the means to it, okay? Now that you do, now what have, has to happen? Remember, <laughs> we can't ignore the sin, yeah? So if you can't ignore it, what do you have to do? Confront it, yeah? Anybody disagree that if you can't ignore it, you have to confront it? Okay, so we have to confront it. That's the first hurdle. That's the toughest one. Aren't you going to the toughest one, and now you pass it, now you can go on, yeah? Okay? 
there are ways to confront, and there's a process, which we already talked about. Remember, you go to them. Then you take another person. Then you take elders, yeah? And if they won't listen, out they go. But that doesn't mean you ignore them now. You still have to confront the sin, even after you've thrown them out. Yes or no? That's what it says. Because they're still going to say they're a Christian, aren't they? They're going to claim to be a Christian. I guarantee they will. So you have responsibility to continue to restore them. And here's the thing. You can't just hope that somebody else is going to do it. You can't just think that somehow they're just going to see the light. You know why? Because they won't. If the devil's got them like that, are they going to see the light? They don't, it gets to a point they don't want to see the light. Because they like it where they're at right now, thank you very much. Right? And yes, I know that this is a tough place to be. It's a difficult place to be. You're oftentimes going to be in the minority. And sometimes you're going to be completely alone. You know how I know that? Because I've been there. I have. And some of you know I've been there. And I know some of you have been there. Huh? Bernie, am I right? Bob, am I right? Okay. Not going to get into that today. But you know what I'm talking about. And it's not the only time either. Okay? Clyde, Kay, am I right? Many other, other, others of you know it too. Okay? You know what we're talking about. Jay? Okay? You know what? It's going to get worse too. In other times, you are going to be the enemy. And you are going to be considered the one who's outside of Christianity because you're not loving people like you should. Hmm? Tell me they haven't used that on you. Hmm? You show no compassion. Jesus was love. Well, I'm going to be your judge too. What, we're going to throw that out? Ain't happening? Really? You know why Jesus was compassionate? Because he knew what was going to happen if they didn't. That's his compassion. Yeah? That's why Jesus wept over Jerusalem, isn't it? He's, he said, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, right? He knew. That's why he wept over it. He couldn't save them, and he knew he couldn't save them. They had to want to be saved. They had to want to accept the truth. Yeah? Do you think Jesus weeps over those who refuse him now, even though they think they're his? Yes or no? Okay. Do you realize that they won't be able to use the Scripture against you? They'll try, but they really can't do it. Every single time I've confronted these people and I start, and I don't, you give my opinion. That's what they want. They want me to start giving my opinion. I, I won't do it. I say, but the Bible says this, the Bible says this, the Bible says this, and God's got my back every time I do it. Every single time, right down the line. So they shut up. They say, well, that's not how I read it. <laughs> well, you better start reading again then. Because that's what it says. They won't fight me on that, see? You know why they won't fight me? Because they're not fighting me, they're fighting him. It's his word, not mine. It, in, it is in the, in the holy word of Dan. It ain't the holy word of you. It's the holy word of God. He's the one that said it. Their quarrel's with him, not me or you. So they won't fight with you. They can't. What they'll try to do is ply on your emotions or your own thought process. That's what they're going to do. Why? Because that's what the enemy does. That's exactly how he got them, and that's exactly how he's going to get you. Remember I said we're going to come back to this? That's why when you confront somebody, be careful, Paul says, that you don't be tempted as well. Okay? I know this firsthand, friends. Notice Paul clear about this. When you're trying to store the person, you're up against Satan, friends. It ain't the person. It's who's controlling them. That's who you're up against. I promise you you are. And if Satan's controlling them, does it really matter how he's doing it? Isn't it fair to say he's going to want to try to keep them? And their answers are going to be his answers. Aren't they? And those answers are going to seem really sound. They're going to seem right. And you know what you're going to do? 
You're going to be tempted to give up your stance on the truth and be tempted to just go with the flow. Why? Because it's easier for one. It sounds reasonable and plausible, and if you do that, you're off the hook all of a sudden somehow. And thirdly, that's exactly what Satan wants you to do. Because not only does he keep him, he might get a partner. He might get somebody else. And guess what? Then it starts to snowball. And we've got an entire church out there where that's exactly what's happening. Why does Paul warn us against the temptation here? Why is that part of that second part of the verse? Because that's exactly what always happens. Not sometimes, always. And get this, it always will. Because Satan will always try to keep them and you and anybody else. He can deceive. Remember what God told Cain? Sin is crouching at your door, desires to have you. Remember what Peter said? It's the roaring lion. He's always out there looking for somebody to devour, even you. He's always going to do it. But notice further that when we do this, we are the ones who are fulfilling the law of Christ. That's what he said. You are fulfilling the law of Christ, not them, you. Do you want to fulfill the law of Christ or do you want to fulfill the law of Satan? It's up to you. So as our worship team comes, listen to this. So what must we do then about it? Well, first of all, we've got to convert them. Notice we can't reconvert someone. There's no such thing as reconversion. Because once you're lost, you are lost. It doesn't matter if it was lost from the beginning or you were saved and got lost again. You're still lost, aren't you? Huh? It doesn't matter if you, right? If you're lost, you're lost. I don't know that there's, you know, a lost. I, I don't know how you can be more lost. You're lost. There's no such thing as a special status for one who was once saved. And to be honest, the conversion is likely going to be more difficult. Not only does the Bible say this is true, but remember Hebrews 6, where the Bible says it's nearly impossible for him to come back. And there's a reason for it. And it's not something we want to believe because it's very difficult for us to believe this about anybody. But Jesus himself said it in Matthew 12, 43 to 45. Listen closely. When an impure spirit comes out of a person, it goes through the arid spaces seeking rest and does not find it. Then it says, I will return to the house I once left. And when it arrives, it finds the house unoccupied, swept clean and put into order. Yeah, because Christ was there. Then it goes and takes with it seven other spirits more wicked than itself. And they go in and they live there. And the final condition of that person is worse than the first. This is how it will be with this wicked generation. Friends, that's exactly what we're seeing out there. We are more wicked than we've ever been in history. Why? Because the devils are coming back and they're taking care of people in that manner, dragging them away from God and coming with more authority and more power every time they come back. And they're winning. They're winning. You see, friends, we don't just want to believe that evil spirits are in people that we know and love, but the truth is they often are. It's often, we, we, we labeled everything else. It must be this, it must be that. But what about it's just devils there? Aren't they there? Are they out there? If someone's acting like this, don't you think the devils are on them? I'm sure of it. So what does convert mean? According to Scripture, we're causing someone to return, to come back. Remember, this is what James says, so clearly it can happen. Acts 26, 20 tells us how they should repent, return to God, and demonstrate their repentance by their deeds. Obviously, they're going to have to go through the conversion process again, but then they have to prove they're saved again by being obedient in their lives. It's a total transformation, just like it was the first time. And what does the Bible say has happened? We've saved a soul from final death. That's what it says. And it covers all sins except the one that we can't, that they can't be forgiven for. That's blasphemy. It doesn't talk about that. But it means it doesn't matter how far they wandered or what they've done again, God can and will save them if they desire it. So friends, the Bible says there's no greater work in the church than converting souls, whether they're outside the church or whether they're in the church. <laughs> 
Daniel gives us this beautiful glimpse of how God blesses those who are obedient and work in this way. Listen to this, Daniel 2, or 12, 2 to 3. Multitudes who sleep in the dust of the earth will awake, some to everlasting life and others to shame and everlasting contempt. Those who are wise will shine like the brightness of the heavens. And get this, and those who lead many to righteousness will shine like the stars forever and ever. And my question is, church, which Christian are you? Now, get it out here.